open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read a few verses there this morning. This morning's a little different. We're continuing a teaching series. Darren did a fabulous job kicking off last week called DIY, How to Build, it, build Your Faith in 2017. What if this was the year you actually got some things together and didn't just focus on, obviously, physical health is great, but your spiritual health, how could you build your faith this year and take control of that? And so last week, we talked about prayer and fasting, and this week, we're eventually, at the very end of this morning, I'm going to give you seven steps. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to get that pen out, that iPad out, get ready to ever note this, because uh, we'll come to the seven steps we're going to give you if you want to actually read scripture yourself. The topic this morning is how to read the Bible. And some of you may go, "Uh, dude, I know how to read the Bible. I pick it up and I read the words in it. I am not a moron. I know how to do this. Right, but how many of you have ever read this before and you couldn't understand what in the world it was talking about? Come on now, be honest. And so most of us throughout human history have relied on somebody to tell us what it's saying. And what I want to share with you this morning, because of the sacrifice of many, many, many people, God has made it possible that you could grow in your faith, not just when we come together, but every day of the week. You ever go to church and say, uh, you know, I really want that pastor to feed me. He or she needs to feed me spiritually so that I can grow in my faith. Well, I hope that that does happen while we're here, but that's actually not our job. Our job is to try and help you to go home and read the word of God and be hungry for it. Allow it to sink in and change. When I was 19 years old, the, the greatest thing that changed my life when I became a Christian was I started reading this on my own and had all kinds of questions. And I didn't understand a lot of the words I read. And yet God somehow began to teach me things that I had never seen before. Any of you had that happen before when you pick up the Bible? That's my desire for it. If you're new here and you're a brand new Christian or you're here and you're not even a Christian, you're just checking things out spiritually, thank you for coming. Thank you for watching online. We started this church for people just like that. We're going to be baptizing a couple more people this morning at this service. Yeah, I thank you for the person who clapped. That was very nice of you, Natalie. Um, we, We get excited for what God's doing. But if you take this Bible and you read it yourself, it's going to transform your life. I don't even need to preach now because I just gave you the whole point of this morning. I'm going to do it anyway, though. So here we go. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. He, Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law? Now, if you're not familiar with the law is, it's in particular referring to the Torah, the first five books in what we consider the Old Testament and the Hebrew scriptures. And he's saying, haven't you read it? And I wonder for how many of us as Christians, obviously we don't just believe in the Torah today, we believe in the 39 books in the Old Testament and the 27 books in the New Testament, all 66 books of the Bible, and we ask God to speak to us through, have you read it? Have you read it? I've met so many Christians who have followed Jesus their whole lives, and I bet if we took a poll, and we're not going to, I bet at least 90% of you have never read the Bible in its entirety. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel guilty. Right? Like, that's not the point. That'd be worthless this morning. I'm saying that just to say that that's a reality. And yet, it's probably, from a Christian perspective, the most important book we could ever read. And so, Jesus says this to them, haven't you read it? 
He goes on in verse 5. Or have you read the law that the priests on the Sabbath day duty in the temple, excuse me, desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Verse 6. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I wonder for how many times if we're following Jesus, if we had known what the words of the Bible actually meant, what it meant when it was written and what it means to us today, if we had known that, would we have understood and followed Jesus more closely? He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. My desire for us this morning is that you would begin to hear from God and read the Bible on your own. You pick it up and you wouldn't just read it just as obligation, but because you fall in love with God as your Savior and as your Lord, and you just would desire to get to know him better. And this is the one way we know without a shadow of a doubt that he's speaking to us. That's my desire. If you have questions throughout this morning, write this down. It's going to be on the screen in the lower right-hand corner. But text your questions this morning. We are going to answer them. I have some I didn't get to last service at 317-550-5070. After the second of three points this morning, I'm going to go through those questions. 317-550-5070. If you've got questions, even now, I know you do about when it comes to reading the Bible and understanding it. Uh, Text them to me, and I'm going to do my best to answer them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we kick off this morning. Lord Jesus, uh, we pause for just a moment and we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit with us right now. And many of us, we came into this room for the first time or the first time in a long time, and we just need to hear from you. We pray you'd speak to us. And that wouldn't just start today, it would continue throughout the week. And then for those of us who, it's just another Sunday for us, we pray that it would be more than that, that your Spirit would just convict us this morning, that your Spirit would encourage us this morning. And that we live more closely to you, Jesus. We dedicate this time to you and we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. I need your assistance here. I'm going to do something in just a moment. I'm going to share it online with everybody. Uh, I, I, love, I love technology. It's not new for me to share that. Anybody out there, you love technology. You love your, your phone. If you lost your phone for even like hours, you would be completely lost, Right? Uh, literally just yesterday, I was going to preach on this, I showed up a half an hour early to a, a, a dinner last night because I had left my phone at the office. And it was like I no longer existed when I didn't have my phone with me. I had no idea what time I was going to be someplace. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to start over here in the baptism section. And when we go across the room, I just want you to cheer as loudly as you possibly can. Can you do that? I know it's church, but just pretend like you're allowed to scream, shout, do whatever you want, give some woohoos, whatever you want to do on three, just about how much you love technology and you're not going to take it for granted here this morning. On three, ready? One, two, three. Oh, yeah, get back there. Thanks. <laughs> I'll keep recording there. <laughs> Missed the button. Justin, that was fantastic, man. Hey, um, you know, I I love technology. I I just took that on my phone and it saved it. I don't know how it does it, but it saved it on this phone. It's amazing. It's incredible. Do you ever think about that? Uh, The the other thing I think about a lot, how many of you love Siri? You you use Siri all the time. You're like, Siri, give me directions. Siri, uh, make a text message for me. Siri, call because I can't even, I'm too lazy to hit the buttons. And then sometimes you ask Siri to do something, and she's like, I don't understand. I can't do that. You're a moron. Why would you ever even say that, right? 
And, and I get really frustrated. Any of you ever yell at Siri like she's an actual person? It's embarrassing for you. But we do it, right? And the reality is, I get so frustrated and I forget my phone, it's, Siri is not a person, it's my phone communicating to outer space. Have you thought about that? It's incredible. And yet I take this little device for granted all the time. Some of you, you take things for granted more than just a cell phone. You, you take for granted people in your lives, right? Like that's way worse, let's be honest. You take for granted somebody until your relationship is broken and you realize that you've neglected some things in your life. I, I've, I've done it, we've all done it. I've heard the stories as a pastor over and over again. Some of us, we have a loved one and it's not until that they're gone that we really understand how much we valued them and we took them for granted over time. I'm not saying that to live in guilt and shame. I'm, I'm saying that because you know what it's like to take something for granted. You see, in the Bible, I think it's very clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that God's word is meant to speak to us and it was passed down from generation upon generation at the stake of people's lives. And we take it for granted all the time. And I say that, again, guilt should not be our motivator in reading the Bible. That would not be a healthy thing spiritually. I share that with you just to acknowledge a reality. And actually, it says that in Scripture. I'm going to read Psalm 119, verse 16. It says this, Psalm 119, verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The word neglect there is shakachach. Try and say that ten times fast. Uh, to lay aside, to forget, to take for granted or neglect. It says, I'm going to delight in your word. I'm not going to put it aside and neglect it. And yet the reality is, most of us as Christians, we do that all the time. Here's three questions on how to, how to build your faith. Very simply, we're going to dumb it down here by the end of it. But I'm going to give you some depth to begin with. How to build your faith in 2017 by reading your Bible. And we're going to answer three questions. And the first one is, why read the Bible at all? Why even read it? And the first thing I want to tell you is, as a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to believe this. I understand that. But as a Christian, I believe this is the word of God. That it's God's word. And so if he's speaking to us through it, we don't have to question like we often do when we're praying, whether or not this is God speaking to us. We know it is. It's his word. He's speaking to us. We can read it and know that God has something to share to each of us through this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 talks about the significance of that. For the word of God is living and active. God speaks to us. It's his word. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And some of the greatest life change I've had is when I had my, my previous worldview. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like what I believe about the world. And then I read the Bible and I allow it to sink in. And I say, where is it that my worldview and what I believe does not line up with what God has communicated us, to us through the Bible? It's one of the more difficult things for any of us to do because nobody wants to acknowledge it, right? Like, I don't want to acknowledge it. I still got things where I'm like, I don't want to talk about that, God, because I know maybe you would want to change some things. You have some of those areas. And those are the most important areas for us to go to him with and to respond and to begin to follow his word in. So why read the Bible? From a Christian perspective, it is God's word. If you're taking notes, number two, why read the Bible? I believe it is incredibly reliable. In fact, I would argue 
that from a non-Christian historical perspective, it is one of the most reliable books that we have in any ancient documents. Say, well, how in the world could you say that? You ever have somebody tell you, like, you can't trust the Bible because you don't have any of their original manuscripts of it? Heard, have you heard that before? That is true. We don't have any of the original manuscripts. And I've given a sermon on that before, and I'm going to condense it into about three minutes right here, so good luck with that. We don't have the original manuscripts. In fact, we don't have the original manuscripts of any books written down during that time period because they were all written on papyrus, which is like ancient paper. It did not preserve well. It crumbled and disintegrated, and we would only have small scraps of it left over. What we do have in the New Testament is earlier full renditions of the entire New Testament than any other book, I believe, in human history. In fact, we have all kinds of scraps of papyrus from the very early early parts of the second century even, particularly John 18. And uh, that's not John 18, but that's what papyrus looks like when it was written on. But around the fourth century AD, they started writing on animal skin. It was called vellum. You remember in elementary school when they put vellum on a projector screen? It's like that kind of thickness is what it was like. And so it preserved much better. We have full renditions of the entire New Testament written within the fourth century AD. That's incredibly early from a historical perspective. One of those is Codex Sidiaticus. It's at the British Museum. Uh, The other one is Codex Vaticanus, which is at the Vatican. And then Codex Alexandrinus, which I forget where that is located. But those are the three major ones from early on. And then we have all kinds of scraps of papyrus that we use to help go, okay, this is what it originally said. It's incredible from a historical perspective. There's a great book uh, that's a short book if you're interested in that sort of thing by F.F. Bruce called The New Testament Documents, Are They Reliable? I encourage you to read that. Read it. It's, it's fantastic. You'll see it's one of the most historically reliable books we have in human history. In fact, it's not just the New Testament, even the Old Testament. That's papyrus I showed you was actually from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Anybody heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? They were entire scrolls of Isaiah and other Old Testament Hebrew scriptures written by the Jewish community before Jesus was even around in the first century B.C. And 2,000 years later, in 1945, we discovered them. And papyrus usually disintegrates, but this, we had very intact copies of entire uh, manuscripts of books of the Old Testament because they were uh, kept in clay jars and in arid caves in the middle of the desert in the ancient Near East. The only way they would preserve. And when they matched them up to what we had in the Old Testament, they were almost word for word identical. It's incredible. We got a picture of them as they were putting all of the Dead Sea Scrolls together and matching them up and seeing uh, the reliability, not just of the New Testament, but the Old Testament. So why read the Bible? It's God's word, number one. And number two, it is incredibly reliable. Okay, but if we're getting some depth, let's ask the second question this morning. If that's why we read it, well, where did it come from? I'm not, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through this in great length, but it's going to be on your screen. And if you want to jot as much of this down as you can, please do. We know that in 14 to 1500 BC, Charlton Heston got to see God put, (laughs) Moses got to see God put uh, the Ten Commandments on stone. Uh, Beyond that, by 500 BC, we have the 39 books or 400 BC around there. The 39 books of the Old Testament were completely preserved on Hebrew manuscripts. The New Testament was written during the first century AD. And we have early manuscripts of that, like I described. By 393 AD at the Synod of Hippo, that's when it officially all the documents in the New Testament were determined. 
And by 500, they were in, the Bible was translated into over 500 languages, but in 600 AD, um, they, they limited it only to Latin and said it was illegal to have any other translation. But you'll see over the course of human history, God used human beings at the sacrifice of their life even to be able to have this translated in a language that you, yes, you, could actually read. I'm going to tell you how easy it is for you to be able to read it. But we got some pictures of these guys, uh, people that risked their lives to, that you, so that you could do that. John Wycliffe translated the Bible into English. John Huss was burned at the stake for his stance on the Bible, and they used his, uh, John Wycliffe's Bibles were used to start the fire. Uh, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 99.5 theses to the Wittenberg, Germany door. A little side note, I mentioned the sabbatical that uh, we're going on this summer, that we want, the church won this grant, and uh, Darren's going to be preaching about half the time this summer. We're going to have some great guest speakers. It's going to be incredible. Probably best summer we've ever had. Uh, but my wife and I, one of the things we're doing on that is we will be going to the 500-year, uh, to Wittenberg, Germany on the 500-year anniversary 1517 to 2017, 500-year anniversary of the 95 Theses. William Tyndale printed the first English Bible in 1526, and by 1536, 10 years later, he was strangled and burned at the stake for it. Before dying, he cried out, O Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And by three years later, in 1539, King Henry VIII, he was, finally allowed and funded the first printing of the English Bible. Martin Luther put it in the native German tongue that was easy to understand for a common German person. And many of the Protestant Reformation began because Gutenberg had invented a printing press and began to print Bibles in people's native languages so that you and I could actually read it on our own. And we don't ever think about that. The people literally risked their entire lives, burned at the stake, so you could pick this thing up and be able to hear from God in it. What an incredible lineage of people willing to sacrifice for their faith. I want to answer just a few Q&A questions um, that we've had. And one question is, how do you know all the Hebrew and Greek words? What resource can I have to use them for my personal study, studying of the word? Here's what I encourage you. So uh, the, the reason I know some of that, I went to seminary for three years plus a little bit of a doctor of ministry degree. And so I've, I've studied Greek, I've studied Hebrew, um, probably spent two years studying uh, those two languages. And so I don't anticipate that every Christian has two years of their lives dedicated. You can um, pretty much when Greek, New Testament, Koine Greek, they all use mounts is the author that they all use to, you can pick up his Bible if you're like super nerd and you want to read that on your own. It'd be really hard reading, but you can't do it. There's a little flashcard so you can remember. But here's what you do. Uh, there's actually um, software that you can purchase, Logos, Logos Bible software I use it, and even if you don't know it, they will give you translations of the words. It'll, you click on the English word, it'll give you what it meant in Hebrew or in Greek. Um, but if you don't know that, that's a great thing to know, but you can understand it by simply reading what other scholars have written about those things. One of the other questions we've had this morning is, how did men decide which book comprised the Bible? Well, the New Testament, like I said, the Synod of Hinnop and uh, Hippo, that's a whole other synod, but Synod of Hippo in 393 AD, they all got together and they decided which books were going to get in. It was determined on, were they written during close to the time when people could have contradicted that these were actually written by people who knew Jesus? Were they written by people who had followed him? And so all of them have connections to the early disciples. There was the Apostle Paul who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. That's about 40% of the New Testament. Whether it was the Gospels that all had direct connections in some way 
to the early disciples, like the Gospel of Mark, it was thought he had a strong relationship with Peter. Uh, John was written by the disciple John and, and Matthew. Um, and then Luke was, went with Paul all over the Roman Empire um, and was one of the first to really write a gospel for the, really the Gentile believers. And so uh, they all had direct connections to that. They were also written early during that particular time period. You've heard of lost gospels before, like the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Judas, Gospel of Thomas, and around Easter, the History Channel will run something on them. Those were never, ever considered. First of all, most of those were, were not written in the early, it was written in the second century AD, most of those, during a time when Gnosticism had arisen, which in Christianity had never been accepted as a, a, a way to understand and follow Jesus. In fact, if you read those lost gospels, there's crazy stories in there. Like this one story, I think it's in the Gospel of Thomas, where Jesus is a young boy and he wants to show off to his friends how powerful he is, so he kills these birds, and then he feels guilty and bad about killing the birds, and so he resurrects the bird from the dead. Like, there's just crazy stories in there like that. And none of the early Christians, none of the early Christians um, believed those to be a part of the New Testament. Most of them weren't even written when they began to compile the New Testament. In fact, in the early second century, the early church had already begun to compile the New Testament. And most of the books that are in our New Testament were in there. The only couple that were really debated was the book of Hebrews, because they weren't sure who wrote it, and um, Revelation, because it was written in a different style than the rest of the New Testament. Great question. Another question we've, we have, how do we know the books of the Bible are God's word and not just man's word? Great question. First of all, what you have to wrestle with is that a perfect God used these human beings to write the words down. Absolutely. I get that. But what I believe wholeheartedly I've seen over the last 17 years of my life is that God knew what he was doing when he did that. And you're getting the different perspectives of God intentionally using different people to communicate what he actually did. And I love that, that throughout human history, God is not just a dictator in the sky. He actually enables us to do ministry. And I think for me personally, I can know that, number one, because God's word says it. I read Hebrews 4, verse 12, but you could argue, well, some of that wasn't written by the time, you know, some of the New Testament was written after that. Well, that might be true. But I can tell you with absolute certainty in my life, as I have trusted the word of God, that this is God communicating to me, as his, the Bible actually says, that over time you begin to see him more. Test it. I, I encourage you, test it. I know the Bible says don't test God, but test scripture a little bit. See if you see him show up more in your life. And I believe that a perfect God uses uh, human beings who are fallen all the time to give us a glimpse of heaven. And I think he did that in inspiring those early writers of the New Testament. And that's why the early church, uh, when they made these decisions, they, they were all on the same page. And, and after that particular period of time, they didn't debate those things as much anymore. I'd love to talk more in depth about that. I could probably point you to some books. FYI, Knowing the Bible 101 is a great resource for people to follow up on today. It covers a lot of today's info. That's a great one. Um, knowing the Bible 101 is a great resource if you're just beginning. Well, let me see here. There was a couple here from the last service I wanted to be sure to answer. Do you suggest a book of the Bible to start with? I usually encourage people to start with the Gospel of Mark to hear the story of Jesus. The shortest of the Gospels is the easiest to read and understand, I believe. The other one I point people to, because usually when you're wrestling these things, you're having trouble with things in your life. The book of James is only five chapters long. It's short. And when you read that thing, man, I'm going to warn you, it is very blunt. 
And sometimes when you're first reading the Bible, you need that. And so if you need some bluntness, James is a great book that I point people to. I'd encourage you this morning as well, uh, on our app, you can um, now get study follow-up questions to everything that we discussed this morning on the Mercy Road app. And if you download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app, there is a great study on there called 14 Days to Live, studying the Gospel of John. And over the next two weeks, what I'm going to be doing, and I encourage you to do over the next two weeks, if you want to try and begin to read the Bible on your own, you can read the Gospel of John through this study right here on your Bible app on your phone called 14 Days to Live. I encourage you to do that. I'm, I'm going to continue on, and we've got a lot of good questions here. If I have time, I'll answer some at the very end here, because um, we had some good ones from the last uh, service, too, that I want to get to. Here's the thing, though. So why read the Bible? It's God's word, and it is reliable. From where did it come? I gave you a historical background. Well, number three, how do you actually read it? Because I picked the thing up, man, and it talks about Gentiles and Sadducees and Pharisees and these locations. I have no idea what in the world it's talking about. You've been there? Here's what I would say. Anybody, anybody can read a Bible and get something from God in it. I believe that 100%. So I'm going to show that to you. And then I'm going to give you, for some of you who have been Christians longer, a challenge this morning through these seven steps of how to read the Bible. I'm going to go quick, so you got to keep up. The first one is this got to actually own a Bible. That's pretty easy, isn't it? If you don't have a Bible, you can't read it. If you're like, I can't afford a Bible, you can take the one in the book rack this morning free. If they weren't wiped out at the first service, you can have it. Take it with you. We will replenish it. I'd encourage you, if you excuse me, have a lot of questions, you can buy a study Bible. If you can't afford one, we will help supplement some of the cost for you so that you can... Uh, be able to answer some of your questions in the commentary at the Bible. That's what I did when I first became a Christian, and it really helped me understand the terms. But you got to own a Bible. And some of you are like, I, that's so old school, Josh, paper. <laughs> you can download the YouVersion Bible app for free. And if you're like, Josh, I don't like to read. You can have a British man or woman <laughs> read it out loud to you on your free Bible app. You have no excuses. John Wycliffe is rolling over in his grave that you wouldn't be able to read a Bible when so many sacrificed their life for it. It's that simple. And if you're like, you know what, but that's so boring. There is, a, a trans, there is an NIV version of the Bible online. We can help supplement the cost for you where it's not just a British person read it. Denzel Washington will read the Bible to you and narrate it. It's incredible. So... Let us know if you want that, and we will help you find it. You can email us at info at mercyroad.cc. Step two, you own that Bible, then you set aside time to read it. you got to set aside some time. I don't care if it's five minutes, 50 minutes, five hours, whatever. Set aside some time and have a place where you're dedicated to do it. My wife, I love my wife, she, what she did recently. She, she's not, believe it or not, it's embarrassing, but I do more clothes shopping than my wife. A big surprise for those of you who know us well. But my wife's closet, she didn't have anything to hang in there because she's not really into that stuff. So she, she turned it into a place that she could just read her Bible and pray. Where is a space that you can kind of get away? And let me tell you, some of you are like, I don't have any time, I don't have any time, I don't have any time. Well, then do this. I know a place that you are going to be, and you're going to have your phone with you while you're there. <laughs> we all know what that place is? Pull the thing out, and instead of playing whatever game, Candy Crushing It Up there, read the Bible for five minutes. Some of you, it's going to take longer. you got plenty of free time. 
be real. What if you could hear from God during that time? It's that simple. Uh, no, step three, begin practicing soap, scripture, observe, apply, pray, that you don't just read the Bible and you go, I don't understand what that meant. Take the time to take a few verses and observe. What did that mean? What is it actually saying here? This is like first or second grade reading comprehension stuff, right? Like what did it say? And then apply it to your life and your context. We often skip to application, but observe what it meant and then apply it to your life. And then do what we said last week, pray. Ask God to speak to you about it. Number step four, develop greater depth in your understanding. Some of you, you can practice scripture, observe, apply, pray, but to begin to really understand the depth of it, get a study Bible. Some of you have been Christians for decades and you still don't understand what any of those words mean. Study it, man. Get it. Grasp it. Step five, this is really important. Don't allow it to become an academic book. Always read the Bible to hear and respond to God. It's his word to you. Allow it to change your life. Step six, learn to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? Because we know it and we read it and that's why we're afraid to. There's no guilt trip. Don't not be motivated by guilt this morning, but read that thing and then begin to practice it. And when you fail, go back to him. Repent, ask God, help me in my life. I want my worldview to line up with yours. Finally, number seven, step seven, make a plan to challenge your safe to consistently read the Bible. Make a plan. Where, how much time, what am I gonna read? Maybe you're gonna do the 14 days to live, the Gospel of John on the Bible app. You download the Bible app and then they have all these different plans. It's at the bottom of the app. You press plans and you go and find 14 days to live. You're gonna read, read the Gospel of John with me for the next two weeks. Or maybe you've got some other plan, but make a plan. Our outposts, we're now resourcing you with curriculum for Bible study if you need it. And the, the app itself has follow-up questions to every message that we'll be giving. Charles Spurgeon writes this as we close out. He was a, a great pastor in London, England in the 1800s. And he says, and oh, you will get a thousand helps out of that wondrous book if you do not but read it. For understanding the words more, you will prize it more. And as you get older, the book will grow with your growth and turn out to be a gray beard's manual of devotion, just as it was aforetime a child's sweet storybook. Let me ask you this question. No guilt this morning, no shame. Honest question for myself and for you. Are you, are we neglecting the word of God? We take it for granted that we set it aside, this ancient document that people for hundreds of years sacrificed their very lives for so that you and I could actually pick it up and read it in the language we could understand it. I'd encourage you, if you want to know which translation, email us, info at mercyroad.cc. I'd love to follow up with that. Wherever you're at spiritually, begin to pick that thing up, have a plan, and hear from God on a daily basis. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, man, I'm just thinking right now, God, about some of the people who know you and they've been Christians for a little while. Maybe they even grew up around it, but they've never, they've never read the Bible from themselves and, and they're about to encounter you in a way they never have before because they're gonna say this year in 2017, I'm going to build my faith by spending time with you daily in prayer and reading of scripture. I can do this. If that's you here this morning, I want to invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I want to know you more. 
I want to not just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of it. And so I need to understand it. And so this year, in 2017, I am going to begin to read the Bible on a daily basis. I'm going to ask questions of you, of those I trust spiritually, and I'm going to grow in my faith. If that's you, pray this right now. God, I commit 2017 to you as the year that I'm going to read the Bible and begin to understand what it's talking about. May you help me. May you help me set aside the time. May you give me the patience and dedication when I don't want to do it, that I would still do it because I know I can encounter you and that's what I desire. And so I give my Bible to you. I give this year to you and I surrender my life to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Amen.